There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Left wing Horford inside. Irving got away, but he missed the layup. He got away from Joseph, but he missed a twisting layup left side. Six seconds to go. Three ball. Boom, baby! calmly, confidently, right in front of his own bench, rose up, and despite having a horrendous night shooting the three, drilled it. Far side hash mark, Hayward getting it in, Bogdanovich jumping and challenging, Hayward throws it into the lane, tapped away, Oladipo stole the ball, and time runs out. He hits a three at one end and steals the ball at the other as the Pacers hang on to beat the Celtics. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod podcast. Welcome to episode 25, the quarter century episode of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. My name is Chris Cook, and sitting next to me as always, Jake Light and Eric Cock. Guys, great sports week. Not just NBA basketball for the Pacers, but all around a great sports week. Yeah, I had a, this is one of my better weeks of my life, honestly. Ooh. I was at the game at home last night, two nights ago, because this is on Monday, of course. Uh, two nights ago, I was there, and just the excitement in the room. Like, that last, when the ball went up in the air, Victor's last shot, it was the longest. It felt like it was five minutes. I'm not <laughs> kidding. And I remember I was just celebrating, jumping up and down, going crazy, high-fiving people around me. And then I remember being like, okay, settle down. And then I settled down a little bit. And everyone was still just going absolute ape shit. So then I started going crazy again. Like it was just one of those just all time games. I'm so happy I was there. It did. It felt like an eternity. I was sitting with Chris at his house, um, and I know he came down the floor, and I was like, he's he's taking the three here. I thought he was going to take it down a little bit, but when he pulled up, it was like, okay, it was an open shot. Kyrie Irving staring up at him. Beautiful picture. Yeah. So happy he shot it. So happy it went in. Yeah. So. Game in reference, if you didn't miss it, you're missing out on a lot. Uh, you must be living under a rock. Pacers beat the Celtics on Saturday, 102-101. Victor Oladipo with the game-winning three-point shot. I think he left about three seconds left on the clock. Then came back and got a steal. Uh, some big, some takeaways from that game. Pacers out-rebounded the Celtics 46-45. to They upped their three-point attempts in that game up to 32. They had been averaging between 20-25 to in their previous games. And also shot 76% from the free-throw line, so that's also, unfortunately, that's not a number that you like to see, but that's better than what we have been seeing from them. Yeah, Victor was a perfect 8-for-8 uh, eight eight from the free throw line, so I think he's fixed. I'm ready to declare it. Yeah, um, I thought the three-pointers, I thought they were open threes, too. A couple of uh, you know ill-advised shots, I think, in the third quarter, but ultimately, you shoot more threes, you're going to make a little more. Um, I think we have to play that way in order to beat teams like Boston. Very happy with it. I thought the Pacers, like I said, worked it a little more offensively. And they, like I said, they got open shots, a little inside-out game a couple of times. A couple extra passes to Bogey. Uh, a couple extra passes from uh, Corey Joseph. I thought he did a really nice job of setting guys up. So very happy with the way we played last night. Yeah, in those last minutes, I think Old Depot had a steal before he had that other steal. 
and then Kyrie hits that shot, and then he comes down, hits the shot with his foot on the line. That, yeah. Those whole last, like, two minutes were all Victor Oladipo, so he totally took over that game. Kyrie tried to, he tried to throw a dagger at us, but, you know, we we withstood the pressure, and Victor Oladipo's good at basketball. Yeah, dude, Kyrie Irving, I think Chris and I were talking about it, it was just like, just let him shoot, because if he has to shoot a tough shot, it's going in. Like, the tougher the shot, the more certain you are that it's going in. <laughs> Case in point, he had a layup late. Blew the layup. Yeah. We get the ball, have a chance to win. But Kyrie Irving, certainly impressive. I was kind of surprised they let him kind of play hero ball down the stretch. Kind of got away from what got them yeah. there in the first place. Kind of shocking to me, but I'll take the win. Anyway, I can get it. Yeah, and then we also got to talk about Miles Turner. He got pulled with, what, like six, five minutes to go? Oh. Yeah, five and or I six minutes see, left. You could see he was pissed. He got oh, I could, at first when I saw it, you could see like he wasn't trying to act pissed, but like he had yeah, his hands on his head. Like He was, he was definitely, definitely upset. upset. It was clearly the right call. I think we – I even sent a text message like a second – I mean, not a second, about a minute or two before that. Just, just because Turner was struggling defensively more so than ever. Now, he did block a lot of shots, but the thing is when he doesn't block the shot off that pick and roll – we give up two points, yeah. so it's kind of it was just kind of a mess. It was a jumble. It's not like Sabonis is a great pick and roll guy, but I really felt like Sabonis gave us a better chance of rebounding the ball, which at that time and was he was playing. And the thing I do like about McMillan, I know we harp on him a lot, is he goes to the the hot guy at the, at the hot guy. He goes to the player who's playing really well towards the end of the game. So just because Miles Turner is a starter, just because you expect you know some of these guys to play fourth quarter minutes, he will play the guy who's playing best during the course of the game. And I felt like Sabonis, especially, he didn't play really well in the first half, but the second half, especially you know uh, that third fourth quarter, he was really just giving it to Aaron Baines down and low. Yeah, and you bring up a good point. Who's a better looking man, Sabonis or Turner? <laughs> Uh, I, you know what? It, Sabonis has, has had a little bit of a glow up yeah, recently. Yeah, he really has. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Turner probably gets more women. Okay. Well, that's fair. Also, we got to talk that TJ Leaf, best game in a Pacers uniform. He had a career high, probably. I'm just going to guess. <laughs> seven points. Uh, he made a three. And uh, rebounds. He got a couple rebounds. The best so. part about... Oh, go ahead. No, oh, I, I was done. I was going to say the best part about TJ Leaf is anytime you put a tweet about tweet out about him making fun of him, you just know it's going to get likes. Like yeah. people love to it's give TJ Leaf crap. It's, an, it's easy an easy way to get free likes on Twitter in case you're wondering. But yeah, TJ Leaf, especially in that Bulls game, he scored his first basket of the uh, of the of the year. And I remember I tweeted out the LeBron gif where he says it's about damn time. So I know he was hurt there for a while, but still it is about damn time. TJ Leaf scored his first basket, but I always feel like, and I was going to tweet this out last night, but he ended up having his best game of the season, which really isn't saying much that I feel like they're force feeding TJ leaf minutes on us. Like Jake had talked about a few episodes just to prove that they weren't wrong about the draft pick because he really hasn't done anything to warrant that. Yes. He played well last night. Um, I hope he continues to play that well. I was just surprised to see him get fourth quarter run, and I'm just glad he didn't screw it up. Yeah, I think those two teams playing last night were two of the best teams, you know, in the East defensively. I think they both have been playing outstanding defense all year, and that showed another good effort by us, and they, they always play good D, so I was happy to see that. Yeah, I think uh, TJ Leaf got fourth quarter minutes quite simply because 
because it was the back end of a double back-to-back um, fourth quarter. You just needed him to give you like two or three minutes, and then the two or three minutes, I think he actually got down playing almost five minutes in that in that fourth quarter, but it was because he was rebounding. He was not a defensive liability. If he could just get some boards with that second unit, I think he played like 11 minutes or so. Um, that's fine if he can get rebounds. What he can't do is miss wide-open shots, wide-open layups. Poor guy shot a three. It might That might have been in the Chicago game. It's kind of all running together for me. But he shoots a three, and like I'm just like, well, that's not going in before yeah. it even had a shot. So he just needs to know his role. If he can give us 11 minutes, you know, four or five rebounds, five or six points, I think McMuffin would be happy with that. Yeah, and another guy people don't talk about on uh, the Celtics so much, it's going to be a problem, is Marcus Morris. He absolutely destroyed us Yeah, last he night. literally could not game. miss. So it always feels like any time the Pacers play somebody, there's just one guy who's just yeah. like, he's on fire the whole game. I think this week we had uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., yep. then I think Levine in the Bulls game, and uh, last night. It's the night. Jonas Valanciunas rule. Yeah. I mean, somebody's going to go off on us. Oh, yeah, and here's a stat, a stat the Pacers put out today. Since Indiana acquired Victor Oladipo, the Pacers are 13-2 and in games decided by three points or less, the best mark in the NBA. Yeah, that's – you know, if we had Paul George, we'd be like 2-13 and 13 in that mark, so I'm, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> All right, moving on. Well, the, uh, one more thing. We oh, one more thing. Thad Young right. being two for twelve from the field and missing free throws. I'm not mad. At, yeah, 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 yeah. Love I, Thad Young, but we. Got, I just got to throw that out there. I, I wish he'd just make more layups, and I don't think that's too much to ask. It's when, you know, he does blow some very easy layups, but he especially blows the layups where he's got to do a reverse layup. Yeah, it's like, it's just not good. Mike so, and drill. Just do look, the mic and drill. Yeah, absolutely. But listen. He plays hard. You know you're, what you're going to get out of Thad. I'm not going to be too tough on him. Just a few more micing drills, you yeah. know, a little reverse micing as well. Just throw some shit in there. I don't know. Do it. I do I do with my high school kids, and we, we make a very high percentage of our wide-open layups. There you go. <laughs> All right, so to wrap up, that was the big game of the week for the Pacers. They also had three other games this week, a uh, home game against uh, Portland to start off the week. They lost that by 10. Then they followed up in New York, uh, won that by six in Madison Square Garden on Wednesday, and then Friday they played against the Chicago Bulls, one by two. So a lot of close games here this week. So what were some of your guys, we won't go in depth on each of those games, but what were some of your biggest takeaways from those other games earlier in the week? I, the Bulls game, first off, if you were nervous about the Bulls game, you don't know the Indiana Pacers. I think Hawk and I were kind of ribbing Chris a little bit. Chris always gets nervous. Um, it's not nervous. It's I called the reverse it's jinx. It's the reverse jinx. Everyone knows I'm the biggest jinx, but I said my blood and pressure. And you do it too. I know, but my blood pressure never – there there was no chance we were losing to the Bulls. We could play that game 100 more times the last five minutes. We're beating the Bulls every time. It was, that was, was the next game, actually. What would you say? That was the next game that you were – more so no no i was at, no bulls you were at my house for that yeah but you were more so saying that you had no doubt in the oh, next game guys i don't have any doubts about the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> that's the thing but here's what I, here's what i'm telling you i was texting uh one of our one of my high school basketball players and they were like oh pacers not looking so great yada 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 i'm like yeah the bulls are playing hard but guess what down the stretch they're gonna make mistakes the pacers won't make high mistakes. School kids, Get, no, well he's a pacers fan he's a little nervous a little nervous um and so i just said look down the stretch Pacers are going to just outclass the Bulls. The Bulls play hard. Uh, that Wendell Carter Jr. is going to be good. But at yeah, the no end doubt. of the day, Pacers all the way. I didn't see that game because I was uh, getting drunk in Indy per usual on my Friday, Saturday <laughs> nights. And uh, 
I will say that we got to we got to mention it when he does something good. Darren Collison with a huge basket late in that game, the go ahead jumper. So for all the Darren Collison haters, which there he are did many, also foul on the he made, got a four point play and fouled. So he did do that. Then he made up that. he made up for it after that. I'm biggest I am the biggest Darren uh, Collison hater, um, and so I, I you got to give the guy credit. I mean, he had a couple of really nice games this week. I think he you know played okay in the Celtics game. There are some very big issues we got to get fixed, but you got to give him credit when when credit is due, Hawk. I think that's a great point. And I'll raise my hand. Of course, I'm not going to be mad at a guy for hitting a game winning yeah. shot. I mean, what I think hell? it was definitely Turner's best game of the year oh, too. That absolutely game specifically. And I, and we got to talk about Sabonis and the Mecca. That thirty point monster ball. Thirty and nine. Up. Yes. Yeah, great game. Sabonis just working to pick and he couldn't miss. What was he shooting? He did he miss one shot? He or missed he one a, shot. God, that was just a great game to watch. I I got nothing to say. I mean, Sabonis, what, what can you say? The dude was perfect. And to touch on that Portland game, Portland's a really good team. And I think Zach Collins is going to be good. Can I slip in here? I know I, this is completely off, off topic, but Chris told Hawk and I before we started recording this, the Bleacher Report throws out a hypothetical trade. Yeah, this is... The this hypothetical is... trade was, I believe, Corey Joseph, uh, Bogey, Sabonis and a first round pick for Otto Porter Jr. I wouldn't trade for Otto Porter Jr. if I only had to go up Sabonis. I wouldn't trade for him maybe if I only if I only had to give a bogey. He's not even very good. Contract's a little rough. What the hell, Bleacher Nation? Why don't you or Bleacher Report? Why don't you freaking try to actually watch a Pacer game? That's ridiculous. Yeah, that, if Talk you make that trade, it. you've never seen a Pacers game ever. I wouldn't trade Sabonis for Shaq in his prime right now. <laughs> I love Sabonis so much, and Corey Joseph. I mean, that's he's a good player too. Like, what in a first round pick? What are we talking about? Like, it's absolutely. Bleacher Report's a joke for that. Yeah, and so kind of speaking about the games for this week, Oladipo also not just in that Boston game, but in New York, he had those big shots there down the stretch. And then we can't say we got to mention Thad Young. He was the one who I actually think saved the game there. He got that offensive rebound, and Vic slipped to the corner, kicked it out to him, and he made that three. So Thad Young's the guy that's always going to be there. Yes, we harp on him about his layups, but he's the guy that will go down there and get that board for you in crunch time when you need it. The glue guy, as we like to say. In the he business. does everything. Yeah. He's he's the quintessential teammate. Even when he's he's wrong, he still puts himself in the right position. Like, he's putting himself in position to make layups. Does he make them all the time? No. But I want him to shoot the shots. Yeah. I mean, when he misses one in clutch time, maybe I'll be a little more mad. But he does everything for us. He's our unsung hero. He, I mean, he's not the MVP by any means, but he's the low-key guy that we – if he gets hurt, we're in a little more trouble than I think we understand at this very moment. And I got nervous last night, two nights ago, in Bo- at home against Boston when – uh, I think it was Evans was at midcourt going for that ball, and he hit knees with I forget, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hayward. He was down. That's when I got nervous. I, I will say Evans has been playing great lately. Yeah, and that's was going to be my next question. So Tyreek Evans uh, was very great in that Boston game, scored 17 points off the bench. So it kind of feels like with him – and, you know, when he's playing better, I think he's better than Lance Stevenson there off the bench. But it kind of feels like him, you're either going to get a really bad Tyreek or a really good Tyreek night. Do you guys kind of feel that way when you're watching him? Yeah, There's, like, say, really no in between. I will say I don't think if he's having a bad night, I don't think he forces it that much. He does what you want him to do. He got, he likes to get that pick and roll going, which is 
I think the most efficient thing they can do. I don't think I don't. I haven't seen him take too many bad force jumpers when he's not on. And as a scorer, you want him to take those, and hopefully he makes them. So I, I will say he's playing great. He might have had a bad game or two, but I mean, come on, Tyreek Evans has been doing this for years. He's a veteran. Yeah, I think he's been he's been playing just fine. I think the more interesting note with Tyreek is. I mean, are we are we not going to play him at all in crunch time? Because I think last night would have been a great... Now, I this is hindsight here, and of course we won the game, so I'm very happy with how it ended. But if that's not a game where you play, you know, Evans late, I don't know when you're going to. Mm-hmm. Because you needed scoring. Um, you weren't able to guard Kyrie down the stretch with Collison. Joseph did a better job, but... When he took out Collison, he put in Joseph. He did not put in Tyreek Evans. So I would actually say he is the third point guard then I think in crunch time. Is that match, fair? Probably, but I think it was just a matchup specifically last night. You wanted a you know a tougher-nosed defensive guy out there, I think, especially with Morris going crazy. Irving, you know what he can do. and obviously, I mean, their guard play is just outstanding. I, I, I'm wondering here. Now, this is all speculation, of course. No inside sources here on the Born Ready 2-Pod podcast. But I'm wondering if they just don't. Quite the coaching staff just doesn't quite trust Evans enough at this very moment. He's already been suspended once, um, and so we've paid him twelve million. Obviously, he's one of our best players. So why isn't he getting this time down the stretch? I don't know. I don't. Dan Dockage just absolutely hates Tyreek Evans. I don't know if you've seen this on on Twitter here. Dan Dockage is an idiot. I know. I know. But I'm saying, you know, are we? Do do you think we trust him explicitly? He got 18 minutes in the game versus the Bulls. I mean, it's not like he's playing a ton of minutes. He's clearly one of our best players. So, what do you guys think about that? I mean, do we? Do you think it's a a trust issue? Because I think we all agree he's one of our best five players. Correct. Yeah. I think when you look at a from a production standpoint, when you see like these stat guys, shout out Grant Asseth. He just put out a stat, I think, that on offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency, the Pacers' starting five was, like, right on the same level as the Golden State Warriors. So, like, I think that they probably think that way with the continuity that there is and how well that starting five plays together. That might play a part in it. I don't know. Maybe he thinks if you're going to be in crunch time, you might as well have, you know, your your best five out there. I don't know because, I mean, yeah, he goes with a hot hand too like we mentioned earlier. So I really don't know what it is. I've been kind of confused by it because especially a game like last night or, excuse me, two nights ago oh. when, uh, when Tyreek has 17 off the bench and he's just playing really well. I guess I was just kind of surprised that he didn't get those late minutes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's definitely it's something to talk about, discuss. But, I mean, we won the game, so I, I trust Nate McMillan wholeheartedly. And if, if we're going to keep winning, I don't think it's an issue at all. So, I maybe, maybe, maybe it's an issue, but I, I, don't, I don't care. I don't think it's a McMillan issue by any means. I think it's kind of a Tyreek issue. Something's got to be going down. Um, I, I, I still think he needs to be on the court a little bit with Oladipo. I don't think we see that enough, but I mean, it is, you know, the beginning part of November, so maybe we should chill. I mean, the Pacers knew what they were getting when they signed this guy. He's been uh, traded, I think, twice. He's been from, what, Sacramento to New Orleans, back to Sacramento. Uh, it's not like, and he's also had injuries. He sat out. So the Pacers knew what they were getting when they signed Tyreek Evans. They knew, I mean, culture wise, what they're building here. I, don't, I think long-term they probably don't view him as a mm-hmm. long-term solution. I don't know, but like, I'm just very confused why he doesn't play in the crunch time minutes, but we won like Hawk said, so who really cares? 
I love I love these speculative things after a win. Yeah. Makes it feel pretty good. It makes you feel like you're you're doing your job correctly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that will wrap up. Unless you guys got something else you want to mention from uh, the past week of games, that'll wrap up our oh, talk sorry. on that. Bill oh. Bano. Oh. Great, great in his halftime talks. I mean, can we agree? I mean, he just he's just spitting flames out there, complimenting JJ on suits and stuff. I think that's low key one of the best parts of the night when it's Bill Bano walking out there. Yeah, I agree. He always puts a smile on my face. That's for damn sure. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to go to a quick break here. A shout-out to another podcast uh, that we actually just recently started listening to. We've been in connection with these guys. So they're going to give you a brief ad here about their podcast. So right after that, we'll be, we will be back with a preview of the upcoming schedule this week for the Pacers. You don't want to miss it. Hey there, sports fans. This is Preston from the Just a Bit Outside podcast. Are you tired of hearing all of the same stories that Main Street Media keeps telling? Well, so are we. And with that, we created a podcast to help sports fans get to know the people of sports just a bit outside the norm. With special guests like Jay Billis of ESPN, former UNC superstar Joel Berry II, and many more, we are able to tell some of those untold stories. Find us on your favorite podcast app, follow us on Twitter at ShowJabo, or check out our website www.showjabo.com. And don't forget... Join us every Tuesday for a brand new episode with well-known guests and little-known stories. We are just a bit outside. Hey, what's up, podcast? This is Mr. Tell the Truth. My question is, how concerned should we be with the Pacers? I know they're winning, but they're winning against bad teams, and they don't look so good. And why isn't Tyreek Evans closing games? Thanks, guys. Thank you to Mr. Tell the Truth for that question. This question was left before the Boston Celtics win. I will give him that, but Hawk, I will give you the floor here. To answer Mr. Tell the Truth question about the uh, schedule for the Pacers and Tyreek Evans. Um, the schedule for the Pacers. So his argument was, what do we? the Pacers are winning close games and they don't look that good, basically, correct? Yes. So I, I would say that the teams that we've lost to, Grizzlies are the four seed in the West right now. They're better than expected. We beat the absolute dog shit out of that team. I think the loss that we had against the Timberwolves, yes, they're only lost below 500, but we all agree when they have everyone playing, that is a really good competitive team. They play hard. And these close games, I mean, it's the NBA. Like, this is professional sports. Those guys are playing for contracts. They're fighting for their lives. It's the beginning of the season. Everyone's playing hard, specifically in New York. They're buying in with Fizdale. They have good, decent players. It's all about, like, these random percentages. If the team's hot, they could upset a team. I mean, it's it's basketball. And you're going to – the fact is that we win the close games is more impressive because of what we did in Boston specifically. So my retaliation to him is just the Boston game, which he obviously saw. So as long as we're winning close games, it doesn't even matter if we're playing down to our competition necessarily because I think all these games are going to be close. You know, it's hard to see – a blowout that we, we haven't really had a blowout other than that Grizzlies team. We, we all think they're, a, I think record wise, they're a good team now. So, and about Tyreek, we talked about that last segment. I think as long as they're winning as a coach, Nate McMillan, you're going to keep sending that lineup. That's proven winning out. I don't necessarily think it's a, it might be a trust issue, but I think it's what's worked has worked. And we're going to stick with that for now. If we need some scoring, we might throw them into a game where we're, we're not scoring well. That's close down the end. What do you think, Jake? Uh, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I do think, you know, you gotta, you guys gotta realize these, the Bulls and the Knicks have young players. Some of those guys are on two-way contracts. They're trying to play for guaranteed contracts for the rest of the season, kind of like what's going on with Sumner. Um, I mean, if they're going to have an opportunity to play one of the better teams in the East, you're going to get their best shot. Now, what it comes down to, like Hawk keeps saying is we won those games. Okay. So the only team we've lost to that's considered 
a bad team by record is the Timberwolves, who would easily be a top six seed in the East. I think that's pretty pretty clear. I mean, they have some good players. So um, I wouldn't be too concerned with that at this point. Now, if we're into February and we're struggling with some of these teams, maybe we are worried about it. But um, I, I just don't think that's anything to be worried about right now with the 7-3 and three record. Now, um, with t- the Tyreek Evans thing, we kind of mentioned this a little bit. You know, as a coach, you're not going to change things that are working. I mean, seven and three. If you seven and three us the rest of these ten games for the rest of the year, we would take that yeah, every absolutely. single day of the week. So why why are we going to have you know why is he going to change McMuffin? Why is he going to change? He's not going to change it. Well, he did change it uh, last night, which this call came in before it. But he went to Sabonis and Joseph, and we won the game with it. So I don't think this is by any means set in stone. But Tyreek's going to have to prove he can play defense a little bit better down the stretch. I just don't think he plays a lot of defense with the second unit, but part of that is he doesn't need to because second units around the NBA aren't that great. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next question. Hey, Born Ready, it's Ryan Ray Reed here from New York. I'm here with my victory scotch. It's a single barrel, Craig and Moore, 12 year. Anyway, my uh, question slash comment is seeing as how the Kojo Domas lineup at crunch time performed so well and actually saved the game. How much longer does Nate McMillan actually stick to his guns with with uh, Darren Collison and Miles as his go-to lineup? Thanks. Take care. Thank you to Ryan. Ryan Ray Reed there. Hawk just dubbed him as Triple R uh, for the question. And he left this message after the win against the New York Knicks. So I will let you once again take the floor on uh, Mr. Reed's question, comment. Ryan Ray Reed sounds like a guy in witness protection program that changes his name. That's all I'm going to say about (laughs) Reed. I I love that he's enjoying the victory with the scotch after single barrel. A man after my own heart. I love everything about this call. We've talked about this at a – Pretty well. I like how all the callers seem to be on the same pace. We're all identifying the the kind of thing Coral's going on with the team, so I like that. But like we said, as as long as they're winning, we're sticking with this, I think. And Corey's proven himself as a defender. Sabonis is playing absolutely insane. So uh, I like the lineups that we've we've thrown out there. And, you know, we're winning. Yeah, and uh, as you just mentioned, kind of this was left before – like the Boston game, and he did make that change to go, even though Darren Collison did play late there. He brought in Joseph there in the final minutes to play defense, and then he made the change with Turner to Sabonis. So I don't think he's afraid to make that change. I think he will if he absolutely needs to, but I understand that it just gets frustrating to see that lineup out there sometimes, and it's not producing when you think that those two guys off the bench could do a better job for you. So let's go ahead and move on to our next question. Hey guys, this is Jacob, uh, Twitter handle at Sobro Pacers fan. Just wondering if you guys can give me any insight on the free throw shooting. Um, I know you're going to get a lot of Sabonis Turner questions tonight, but I think the real problem so far this season is the free throw shooting, especially when it comes to Victor. Uh, last year he was at 80%, and I, I think I just checked and he was around 55%, and the whole team is down around 11%. So just wondering what the problem is and what you can do to fix that. Thanks, guys. I'm a big fan. Take care. Yeah, I think free throw percentage, that's obviously something that drives all fans nuts. I know I'm just sitting there just freaking out about it. But let me tell you something. Um, as, as a coach myself, free throws come down to three things. It's where skill, 
meets focus meets preparation. Um, and I would I would venture to say I mean it drives a coach nuts because you can practice free throws and you can see and you can watch your kids. You can make the gym completely quiet. You can stream in crowd noise. You can do everything. But you know it's just different getting up there. It's kind of a mental block. So um, obviously guys like Victor has skill. He's hit his last fourteen. Um, they're going to work out of it. So you would assume that most of these guys on the Pacers have the skill to get it done. Um, preparation. I'm going to assume that the, uh, that McMuffin does have them shoot free throws quite often. A practice, and even if even if they don't practice free throws in practice, they're still going to go and get up those shots before the game. Every single time I go to Bankers Life Fieldhouse, I watch the players take some practice free throws. You know, at least ten to twenty of them. Um, so I think that's pretty fair as well. So what it comes down to is focus. And sometimes when you miss one, you get that mental block where you're thinking about the miss and you don't trust yourself. And it really does come down to focus and blocking out the crowd noise in big moments. Now, I think we can all agree that Victor is able to block out in the biggest of situations and hit big shots. So I don't think it's a focus problem. I think it's a, just a little bit of a mental block. I think he's overcome it. Now, some guys just suck at free throws. Like it's not, I mean, the talent at the free throw is not there. The skill is not there. So it doesn't matter how much you practice and it doesn't matter how much you focus. You're just not good enough. And then that gets in your head and becomes a major problem. I would say as Pacer fans, yes, we absolutely hate it, but it's not something that you can just break down and practice and get better at it. I think you've got to have success in games before it becomes a natural kind of just a, a smooth flow. You get your rhythm down. So I think the Pacers will get better at that, obviously, um, hopefully in the very near future. All right, let's move on to our final question. This is Tyler Snyder, Tyler underscore in Snyder uh, on Twitter. Just one comment for all Pacer fans. Why TJ Leaf? Why do we keep him on this team? Give me Kylo Quinn and all of his rebounds, his trash rebounds. Thanks, guys, and go Pacers. Yeah, Tyler, I love the call. We we've got a crack out of that. Why TJ Leaf? That should be a shirt. We should make that a T-shirt. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, I, for me, I would say that uh, Nate McMillan and you know Pritchard, they they, they spent a draft, first round draft pick on him. He's had some injury problems here and there, but I think last night in Boston specifically, he played his best game. So I'm not ready. To, I'm not. I still have a couple shares left in TJ Leaf. Believe it or not. He's shooting absolutely terrible from the field. He's shooting 267. He's shooting .250 from three, so not great. But this man did just score his first basket of the season on Friday, and then he followed it up with his best game Saturday. First-round pick from an organization standpoint, you don't want to give up on this guy too soon because there's been cases where people have been given up on and then they've gone and thrived in other places. Example, Victor Oladipo. I'm just saying I don't think he's near the talent Victor is, but... This guy, he's still young. His body's still developing. The minutes, I agree, for winning purposes, I'd rather have Kylo Quinn in there a thousand percent. I don't know what the thought process is there, but I guess they're just trying to get him minutes and reps in the league. Yep, absolutely. Any more thoughts? No, I'm thoughtless now. All right, that will wrap up our our listener call-in question. Keep calling our hotline. The number is posted on Twitter. Uh, You call after the games. Give us your post-game analysis, questions, comments, concerns during the week, and we discuss on the podcast next episode. We're getting a lot more calls now, so we can't choose all of them. So make your comments or questions good so that you get selected uh, on the podcast for us to answer your questions. But that will wrap up that segment, and we're going to move on to our preview of the upcoming two weeks. That's right, I said two weeks of Pacers games. Uh, So we'll be right back after this short message. You know, 
Ever since we started Born Ready to Pod, people have been asking us for advice. Usually it's how many games will the Pacers, or insert NBA team here, will win this season. The truth is, I don't know. But if you think you know, you got to go check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to us. And that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code READY to activate your offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code READY. That's R-E-A-D-Y, when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, special thanks to my bookie there. You know, if you got a bet you want to place, you know, anything like that, you want to go Pacers over under, Pacers to win, you got to go to my bookie. Great sponsor of the podcast, might I add. Make sure you guys check them out. Um, anyway, back to topics at at hand, uh, we got Pacers upcoming games. I had, as I had just mentioned, we're doing it for the next two weeks um, because the Pacers the following week only have two games. So we're going to go ahead and get it out of the way this week, and also because I'll be on vacation. So where are you going? I'm going to Cabo. Mm, Cabo wow. for a week. Yeah, it's going to be real Cabo nice. Chris. Yep, that's right. Real Pacer fans don't have vacation right in the middle of the season. Well, you're just going to have to deal with it. Luckily, there's only two games that I'll week. I'll take it if you want to give it up. No, no thanks. So uh, next week we have our, our interview with Scott Pollard. So that's what's going to come out next week. No analysis on the games uh, for this following week, but we will have Scott Pollard. That's a great interview. Enjoyed what he had to say. I mean, that was a short interview considering how much we wanted to ask him. But I felt like he gave us like a lot of like really cool stuff, and he's really not afraid to talk. I mean, you give him a topic, and he will just completely lay it all out there for you. So really enjoyed Scott Pollard on the podcast. Yeah, Pollard Planet, shout out. Planet Pollard. Planet Pollard. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, preview the Pacers games. Uh, tonight they have a home game against the Houston Rockets. Rockets are at 3-5 and five for the season. Wednesday they play Versus Philly at home as well, so two games here to start off the week at home. That game is on ESPN. The Sixers now at six and four, and then Friday at Miami, and then Sunday they finish their uh, series with the Rockets in Houston. And the following week, then they take four days off, and they play the following week on the sixteenth. They have a home game versus the Miami Heat, so two games against the Heat here in the next two weeks, and then they follow it up with the Atlanta Hawks at home. Trey Young and the Hawks coming to Bankers Life Fieldhouse on the 17th. So looking at that schedule ahead for the next two weeks for the Pacers, what are some things that stand out to you guys matchup-wise? Anything that, you know, seeing these teams on the slate, what comes to mind when you first look at the next two weeks? It's a brutal stretch of, of good playoff caliber teams. I like that we have the Hawks sprinkled in there. Although, if they get hot from three with Trey Young, you never know. Brutal stretch. I mean, 7-3, we've got a good start to this season. I I think we might level off a little bit, but 
you got to play the Rockets twice. And you'd expect we might lose one of those games. 76ers are going to be tough with how well Joel Embiid is playing right now. Maybe he wants a rest. Maybe, I think maybe we should offer him a day off from, from work that day. That would be pretty awesome. And then the Heat, the Heat always bring it. So brutal schedule coming up, and uh, we'll get into predictions here in a second. Yeah, I, I, I actually am taking the opposite approach. I actually feel pretty good about this. I might be a little higher on us, I guess, maybe during this uh, projected uh, win total over the next two weeks, but that's fine. Um, I, I do think the Rockets will probably get us for one of these games. Um, the thing I like about this is we're getting the Rockets when Carmelo Anthony's hot, so that means he's going to be taking a lot of shots, and he's eventually not going to be hitting them, so I love that. Uh, Harden just came back. Wouldn't be surprised if they ease him back in with the minutes. Uh, he hasn't been taking a lot of shots. 76ers, obviously, that's going to be that's the biggest game over the next two weeks by far. Um, this 76er game at home, we really need to get that one. I feel good about that one as well. And then the Hawks, I've said this before, I really think the Hawks um, – they're like three and six or something dumb like that, but they've really impressed me. I mean, they have some interesting young pieces. Most of those guys probably will be shipped out for you know spare parts to get some draft picks and stuff. But you hit the nail right on the head. If they start hitting some threes, uh, Trey Young's either really hot or he's really not. So Heat always provide a very tough game as well. So big two weeks coming up here. Interested to see what we project them at as a group. Yeah, and speaking of this game versus Houston, yes, we faced we faced off against them in the preseason, and yes, that was the preseason. But even with uh, you know they played Paul Anthony and Harden uh, decent minutes that game, the Pacers just pretty much ran all over them that game, and that was in Houston. So yes, it was the preseason, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Pacers come out here tonight and get a W at home. Obviously, when they go and play them in Houston, I think that's a lot tough, a lot tougher of a matchup for them. So uh, I think if you're going to get one of these games against the Rockets this year, it's got to be tonight tonight at home uh, when they square off here at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Um, so let's go into our predictions. We like to do this uh, for each of the Pacers games. I think last week we Jake predicted three and one. Hockey predicted four and zero. Oh. So you go. You both were pretty spot on there. So and the week before we we also predicted. We need to get a running tally of this yeah. and see who finishes better. We're doing very well. I'm just going to say yeah. that. I think we've hit a lot of the last two weeks. Yeah. So let's start off uh, with the game here tonight, Monday night against the Houston Rockets who wins we win and we win by a lot I'm saying a 20-point victory yeah we win this one um I'm thinking around 12 I think it's going to be a little tight I wouldn't be surprised if the Rockets come out firing a little bit early on us Uh, kind of a little letdown for us after the big Saturday game but um yeah I I think we we prevail I think our second unit's much better than theirs and we'll be just fine I'll say we win mm, 104-92 okay Wednesday versus the Sixers at home on ESPN. I'm going to say a loss here, and only because of how well Joel's played, and I think there's a lot of problems with with maybe defense in the post when he comes to town especially. I mean, that man's an absolute beast. I'm going to throw a loss on this one. I got a win. Um, I think we're catching the 76ers at the right time. I actually, I'm not as worried about the 76ers as I am the Boston Celtics in terms of matchups. Joel Embiid is going to probably be the best center on the court no matter what night he walks out there. It's going to be a great test for Turner. I think the Pacers come to play on ESPN. Um, I'm a little, the, the thing I'm most scared about is J.J. Redick, honestly. I think we have an answer for, uh, I think we have an answer for Simmons. He's big. I actually think you could see a little Thad Young on Simmons. I think they might try that at points bad. in the game. Um, I just looking at it, I think Bogey will be on him. Hopefully he plays a little bit better than he has. But when, 
uh, versus the 76ers. I have us at 2-0 right now. So, yeah, keep track of your records because I'm not going to. Okay. Uh, Friday at Miami. I'm going to chalk this up as a win, and I, I don't know much about the Heat team. so They're right now 3-5, and five, and they're 8th in the East. Hopefully they don't get Jimmy Butler somehow before then. So <laughs> I, that If they have Jimmy Butler, win. If they don't have Jimmy Butler, also win. So either way, a win. <laughs> oh, boy. This is the toughest one for me. I'm just going to go ahead and say win. It's literally a 50-50 for me. Um, I think playing the Heat you know, after a big win, I'm projecting a big win against 76ers. Might be a little tough. Uh, I'm a little nervous uh, if Drogic is playing. Um, and, and Josh Richardson's a really good player as well. I think he could be a matchup issue for us, depending on how McMuffin wants to go at it. That might be a game where Tyreek Evans gets the playing time down the stretch because I think we really match up well. Here's my best advice for the Pacers. Don't fly until Friday morning. Don't go Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. don't <laughs> go Thursday night to Miami. So I have us at 3-0. and um, Could easily see 2-1, and but I'm sticking with 3-0. All right, Sunday to wrap up this week at Houston. So two times this week. What do you got in that matchup? I'm going to say that's going to be the one we fall. So I got us 2-2 two and two on the week. I, in Houston, it's a tough game. They haven't played their best this year, and I, I love that mellow point because I love hating mellow. So, you know, if they win this game, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I was wrong, but I, I'd say 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Loss here, 3-1 uh, and one for me. Uh, just Rockets at home. You can't win every game. I think the Rockets probably take one of these two, if not tonight, maybe to, uh, maybe on that Sunday. All right. Well, that wraps up this week of Pacers games. But as we said, we're doing two weeks here. Whoa! So the Pacers have four days off. That's a lot of days off, a lot of rest, good time to recuperate from any injuries. And right now, you know, Victor has bronchitis, so, you know, maybe those four days off, I mean, he's going to be cleared up by then. Those four days off will be very good for them health-wise. They played a couple more games than a lot of teams have so far. But next week, they play on the 16th. They play against the Miami Heat at home, and that is on Friday night. So what do you guys got in that game? I'm going to – I'm going to – Nail this is the bogey game. This is the game he's going to have like 28, hit like five threes. This is one of his vintage, like every five games he goes off game. This is the bogey game. This is a win. Yeah, I'm telling you, this is a win. And I think one of these games versus the Heat, Tyreek, I love the matchup for Tyreek. I, I mentioned that in the first first bout. I think he has a big game, one of these games. And I think Miles Turner uh, also has a big game, which is going to shock a lot of guys. But um, I still think we win this game probably by double digits. I wouldn't be surprised to see a little rust in the first half, but I think our second unit is just way too much for the Heat at this point. So I have us at 4-1. and one. All right, and to wrap up that week, two games on the slate. They play at home against the Atlanta Hawks. What do you guys got? Dub. So my uh, my official prediction is 4-2 over the next two weeks, I four believe. 4-2. So, yeah, Dub there, uh, tch, Hawks, boo. Yeah, I have – win so I have us at five and one and I actually I think the next round of games is going to be the one that gets the Pacers uh, Jaspers Hornets uh, a couple other tough teams there uh, I think we've got the Suns who should be a win but anyways uh, I digress uh, I, I do not think the Hawks it's going to be a big that's going to be a big you know Saper metrics man I are, are the you know they're going to take 53s are we going to be able to hold them off and play the way we do still have us five and one feel pretty good about it too easily could be four and two Hawk I like what you did there but I think five and one is where I we're going to so. be in the next two weeks. So you have us at twelve and four. Yep. And you're at eleven and five. So I wouldn't be mad at either of those records. Yep. All well, right. Would you be okay with three and three, Chris? I think 
as long as you don't lose. In a, yeah, like, I think so. I think-, I think so. I mean, looking at the schedule, you play Houston twice, Philly, Miami twice, one away. I mean, I would be happy with three and three. Obviously, I want an over five hundred record, but yep. I don't think it would be terrible. The I take, more, I'd take four the sky two. wouldn't be falling for the Pacers if they went three. Absolutely and three. not. So that will wrap up our prediction segment, and we're going to move on to your guys' favorite segment of the week. We do this once a week around the association. It'll be coming up right after this. It is time for Around the Association, presented by the Born Ready to Pod podcast. Okay, first up <laughs> on the docket, we have Monday night, last Monday night, this will be Warriors Clay Thompson breaks the NBA's three-point record, going 14 for 24. He breaks the record from Steph Curry, who previously held it. He's pretty good at basketball, guys. Thoughts? I think that those guys are just going to have a contest for the rest of their careers, breaking each other's records. So Curry's going to come back, and he's going to go, what, 15? Thompson's going to come back and go 16. So they're just going to keep going back and forth, back and forth. But that just goes to show you there's literally, with either of those guys on this team, the way they're shooting, you could put five guys in their face. When they're feeling it, when they're on fire, they will literally not miss a shot, and that's why they're so damn good. Yeah, they're very good. 24 three-pointers taken. Yeah. Holy did you guys watch any of the game? Cow. I did, actually. I he, took tw- he took 24 himself? Yes. Yeah. So he's taken more threes in that one game than the Pacers did in a few games this year. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's hitting them. Um, I've seen a crazy stat. I don't have the exact numbers, but for him to get to 50, it was like he took like maybe like 50 dribbles to get to 50 mm-hmm. points or something crazy. And then Derrick Rose, in order to get to 50, took almost 700 dribbles. Yeah. And crazy just the way the NBA is, but... Obviously, very impressive feat. Wouldn't mind seeing him in a Pacers uniform next year coming off free agency, just saying. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> okay, next. Also in that game, I had to mention Alfonso McKinney had a career high, 19 points. Before the game, he's from Chicago. He bought his mother a house before the game and then had a career high. So pretty cool moment in the NBA. Uh, next up, tonight, November 5th, the matchup against the Rockers. We got Tyler Trent announcing the game with Mark Boyle and Slick Leonard against the Houston Rockets on the uh, the call tonight. So what do you guys think about that? Oh, uh, you know, big Purdue guy, graduated from Purdue. He's done uh, Purdue a great service by just being himself and giving Purdue shout-out shout after shout-out. He's been a great story. Um, I wish I would have known that before I made the Houston pick because I think I said we won by 12. Now we win by at least 20. <laughs> um, I just – I'm super into it. Tyler, thoughts and prayers to you, man. You're, you're an inspiration to us all. Yeah, really excited that the Pacers did this. And, I mean, he just got to be able to do a lot of cool things over the last couple of weeks. He had that ESPN segment, which I will admit, I'm not afraid to admit, kind of made me tear up. Yeah. Um, if and you didn't, you're not a human. Yep. He's at the two big Purdue games, and they win both of them. Um, and then he's had all these athletes come visit at these radio sports guys. We'd love to have him on the show, Tyler. So this is your invitation. I know you probably don't listen or have ever heard of us, but we would love to have you on the show sometime to talk about this experience uh, with Mark and Slick. Really cool for you. Glad that you get the opportunity and can't wait to listen to it. Okay, next up, we mentioned a little before, Derek Rose, 50-point game, career high after coming off years of injuries. What do you guys think about this? I, I'll i be honest, I've been one of Derrick Rose's biggest haters of his career. When he used to play against the Pacers, my biggest knock was anytime he would penetrate, get to the get 
uh, get to the uh, to the goal. I can't I can't talk right now. Literally every time he would he would get in there, it was a foul. So this guy lived on free throws a lot when you know he was young and he was. I mean, he was able to get to the rim and you know he was able to draw foul calls. So he lived on the foul line when he played against the Pacers. So I've always been a big Derrick Rose hater. And then obviously things he's done in the past, you know, the SATs, the sexual allegations. So I've never been a fan of Derrick Rose. Yeah, me but either. fifty points. It's just remarkable. He's had, what, two tears in the same knee, all this other crap going on injury-wise. You would have not predicted Derrick Rose to ever score 50 points in a game a year ago. That's Or two weeks ago. The moment was – it was a cool moment, but uh, I hate Derrick Rose. So. Yeah, I can't stand Derrick Rose either. The thing that drove me nuts about Derrick Rose playing him, and it's the same thing that drove me nuts about – nuts, not nut. Uh, <laughs> drove me nuts about LeBron James. They dribble in there with reckless abandon. They put their head down, and it's like I always say, they just dribble in, throw that son of a bitch up there, and then it, they either get the call, or if they don't get the call, they, they whine, and then they get the call next time. So they just lived off the free throw line versus the Pacers. So no love lost to Derrick Rose. I just I couldn't really stand him in college. He had, he's gone through a lot of stuff. That's a great story. I, feel, I was happy for him. I thought it was nice for the Timberwolves to have some positive, you know, some positive news, you know, after basically being the wrecking ball for all news in the NBA over the last couple of weeks. But uh, nice job, Derek. Took his 700 dribbles to get there. <laughs> all right, next up we got Tyson Chandler gets the buyout from the Phoenix Suns, and he plans to join the Lakers. LeBron's going to add another puppet to his freak show. What do you guys think about this? Um, Does this make them better? I don't think it makes. No, them I mean Javale McGee's playing really well. Yeah. I think he's averaging fifteen and seven. So I mean Javale's playing really well. So Tyson's <laughs> definitely going to have to come off the bench. Who is their backup center? I don't even is know. Is it Zubac? They or? might be playing as got at a power forward. I mean they might have like a you know like Kuzma playing center backup minutes. I don't Honestly, know. I, haven't I don't, really I don't watch many Lakers games, less, and I, yeah, like I like you said, I could care less. This doesn't move the needle for them at all. I mean, I. Tyson Chandler's what thirty five now probably yeah. he's he hasn't played really any NBA games in the last two or three seasons so I don't think it does much for him. Yeah, on the court. Sorry, were you done, Chris? I'm sorry. Yeah, I am. I didn't mean to cut you off. But on the court, I don't think it's going to have. Obviously, I don't think Tyson Chandler's going to play twenty five, thirty minutes a game by any means. He might get in there for ten to you know fifteen, maybe give a little TJ Leaf stat line. I don't know, but I think it'll do more for the LA Lakers in terms of like locker room stuff because, uh, as we've noted, Javale McGee, uh, Beasley, Stevenson. LeBron whining, uh, Brandon Ingram shooing off LeBron if you didn't see that. I don't know if that could come up on around the association, but I think it'll do more for in the locker room. Tyson Chandler's known as a great leader. He's obviously on the back end of his career. Wouldn't be surprised if LeBron like hired him as the next head coach or something. Do you have, by the way, while we're on the Lakers topic, do you have the Magic Johnson, Luke Walton on the list? No, I don't. Cause I wanna, can I bring that up now? Yeah, All right, because I want to discuss this. So Magic Johnson comes out this week, or he doesn't come out and say it, but a report comes out and says that he's fed up with Luke Walton and he thinks the Lakers underperforming so far. I think they're a couple games under five hundred. So this really frustrated me because, first off, Magic Johnson's been in this gig for not even, I mean, a, over a year now. Uh, Polinka runs most of the sh- most of the show. Uh, Magic Johnson has obviously all these business endeavors, so he's a, he's busy with that, and he's the G or president of Basketball Association for the Lakers, so he's a busy man. Anyway, he cut the report comes out eight games into the season, whatever it is, that he's fed up with Luke Walton. First off, I just feel like 
what are your expectations? Yes, you have LeBron James. You play in the Western Conference, and what you gave LeBron James and what you gave Luke Walton was Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, Michael Beasley, Rajon Rondo, and a bunch of young guys who are still trying to figure out who they are in this league. So what do you guys think about that? Because I just think it's absolutely bullshit. I think it's terrible. Just because Luke Walton was really thought of as this really good, young, up-and-coming coach, and now... You know, all of a sudden Ty Lue gets fired and now we're scrutinizing, you know, Luke Walton. I mean, seriously, I, I think the timing is pretty impeccable. I, I don't think I don't think there's a lot of, you know, coincidences in the NBA. Um, I really just don't like the way it's going for LeBron. I just watched like a little kids movie where LeBron was the voice of, you know, so it's like, what is he doing? Because, you know, if you watch the game, I think it was last night. He's he literally. Brandon Ingram had like CJ McCollum on him, a clear matchup, a clear matchup issue down in the post. And what does he do? He he tells Ingram to get in the corner. He has like Nurkic on him, sure, but get get the young guy. It's November. He tells him to get in the corner, and Ingram turns his whole back on the play. Doesn't even watch what happens. So pissed off that he doesn't get this opportunity to score, and doesn't say anything to LeBron when LeBron goes. I mean, when LeBron gets to the paint. I think they're in trouble. I really do. Maybe they do need like a more like demanding coach just because of how shittily Magic Johnson put this roster together. No fault of Luke Walton. I'd love to have Luke Walton as my coach. Yeah. I would love it. But you know, what are you going to do? LeBron's calling the shots clearly. And Irv Magic Johnson's at World Series game. So, I mean, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have many answers for this. I don't I don't know much about the Lakers quarrels, but I do I will say that I think Saying this this early is definitely an overreaction. I mean, if them- if they miss the playoffs and it's the end of the yeah. year, I see it. But come on, it's the first two or three weeks and of the, the season. The- we just got to November. Calm your shit. I if I if I'm the Pacers, I jump. I I would love to see what they what they want for Ingram because apparently Ingram's like there's all this distrust with Ingram. They're not really seeing it with him. See what you can see. What you can do. The worst they could do is say like Sabonis or something, and you tell them to go jump on a stick. I mean, that's it. I, I would love to ring, see. Man. Yeah, throw your hat in the ring. Let's see what we can get for him. All right. So next up, I got. I look at all these stats online when I'm bored, and I saw that Sabonis is second in the league in field goal percentage. Pretty cool. At 67 percent, and Rudy Gobert is first at 71 percent. So that just shows the efficient season and the great season Sabonis is having all around. That's more of just a stat update. We'll I go, like it. We'll go on to the next Me one. Me likey do the cha-cha. Cavaliers players are reportedly claiming Colin Sexton does not know how to play basketball, which is kind of shocking for, for a guy that went in the first round. From The Athletic, uh, averaging 11.1 and 2.2 assists. He's shooting 41% in the field and 22 from three. My personal thing is he's a young guy. I don't get what's going on in Cleveland at all. I mean, do they expect him to be Isaiah Thomas right away? I, I don't get it. I think the best thing is you could just make a whole episode – for about five weeks now, just talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers, all the dysfunction, uh, the GM, president of basketball operations, uh, their owner, obviously, but and then the coaching situation now. But and then I think the funniest thing too was I saw J.R. Smith quote tweeted a tweet today or yesterday, where it came out about Trey Young and he put Rookie of the Year. Really? So yeah, he put Rookie of the Year, and obviously he's got a top. You know, top 10 pick on his team. So that just goes to show you just the dysfunction. I think even the best part was J.R. Smith was asked in an interview. Somebody was obviously trying to bait him, and Woj had tweeted out that he was asked in an interview about uh, if he wanted to be traded, and his answer was yes. So he could get fined for that. So, yeah, a lot of dysfunction. But Colin Sexton, he's young. He's played less than 10 games in the NBA. Uh, I don't – I. 
I just don't know what quite what you expect from him during that time frame. You do see all these other rookies and they're performing very well, but you can't judge if he's a great basketball player off the first ten games of his career. I mean, yeah. seriously, especially with that crappy of a roster the Cavs have. Kind of like my Brandon Ingram take. Uh, take like, oh, what do you want for him? If you really don't think he can play, what do you want for him? But seriously, when I watch Colin Sexton, he reminds me of what like De'Aaron Fox looked like last year. Mm-hmm. Like very similar, left-handed, a lot of just a lot of similarities. Kind of playing like a bull in the china shop right now. I think they just need to pump the brakes a little bit. The kid wasn't going to be LeBron, or else he would have gone, you know, number one overall. So maybe they should just like figure out if this kid can play. Because oh, by the way, you suck. So maybe you should stop giving you know George Hill all these like minutes and see if this kid can learn how to play before you just deem him as broken parts before the season is even an eighth of the way. Over. Pretty passionate about this. You can't take a guy that high and then just expect him to be God. Give him the tools. I really thought that's why they, they got rid of uh, Tyrone Liu because I, I thought they wanted to get more minutes for Fox, or Fox, for uh, Sexton because he wasn't playing a lot. But now it's coming out that maybe he had too much faith in him. Yeah. I don't know. But, yes, I think Sexton's going to be fine. Give him some time, people. Point guard in the NBA is the hardest position to transition to. Yeah, a lot's got to happen for Tristan Thomas's prediction to be correct of the East going through Cleveland. And let's just be honest, the Cavs really just screwed it all up from the get-go when they decided they weren't going to completely try to blow it up after LeBron left, and they just were trying to say, let's go for the eight seed, and now they're going to finish 15th with all of these, ter- 14 or 15th with all these terrible contracts and veterans on their roster. Good luck, Cleveland, because it's a real shit show. R.J. Barrett, the next uh, Cleveland Cavaliers LeBron James-esque type, maybe? Maybe. So next up, we got Drummond versus Bead. I think this is on Friday night. Uh, Joel absolutely dominates uh, Drummond, and it's one of those things where they've had this history. They hate each other, and Bead's always petty online. It's, it was pretty funny. Um, Drummond had a classic eight and eight, a Miles Turner type game. So, what do you guys think about this rivalry in the NBA? I, I love this rivalry. I saw the Embiid tweet. It was like him on the court and then like him and building a house or something like during the NBA, NBA cares. I hate it when Joel Embiid tweets. I really hate it. The I guy just, hilarious. he just needs to keep his mouth shut. What has he had? Two or three good seasons so far. He missed like three years. I mean, yes, he's a great player, but my God, Joel, you're like, you're one injury away from being out for 30 games. Andre Drummond. He's not a, he's not a schmuck. He's a good basketball player. Uh, I wish I wish Drummond would outperform Embiid when they play against each other, but he just hasn't yet. So maybe he does own real estate, but I wish Joel Embiid would shut up. Joel Embiid should do this to centers that aren't athletic or super athletic. Like this should not be any breaking news for Joel Embiid. What who who's who's the rivalries he has? He really hates Hassan Whiteside. He really hates Andre Drummond. So. And Bamba, I'm pretty sure he got it. Not, he got maybe Bamba or Aiden, because he's of got them. a song or something. It's so stupid. And, and you know what? Those guys are never going to be able to compete out on the perimeter with a guy that can dribble like Embiid. So, sure, Embiid. Yes, you are better than them. I would rather have you on my team than those guys. But it's not like they're bad players. They're just completely different types than you. Let's see what happens. You know, I'm not the biggest Miles Turner lover, but Miles Turner is you know just as athletic as Embiid. Yeah. I think he could give Embiid some fit. So. Sure, you're really good against the big, tall centers that, like, rebound and, like, play statue ball well. Congrats, buddy. Yeah, and then last up I had Steph Curry leads the league in scoring at almost 33 points a game. Can he win a scoring title on this Warriors team? How crazy would that be? 
yes, he can win the scoring title. Um, I just think that he, the way he's getting open shot, that's what people, that's what's crazy. Yes, there's less opportunities, but there's better opportunities. Yeah. I mean, with this team, I mean, who are you going to try to stop? You're going to try to stop Durant. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to kick it to Clay Thompson. Oh yeah, you got him. Well, somebody's going to be open. Yeah. I mean, that's the beautiful part. And Draymond makes it all go. He's, he's obviously a much better version of what Thad does for us because Thad doesn't get people involved off the pass, but my God, I mean, it's impossible. I, I really think he could definitely lead the league in scoring, even with these great players. That, that would be insane. I don't think he averages, obviously, 33 for the rest of the year, but he could go around <laughs> between 27, 29. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the guy's just shooting at a ridiculous rate. And then I saw on the other day these news channels are already trying to say, is Steph Curry going to be the MVP this year? Is Steph Curry the MVP of the season? We're 10 games in. Slow your freaking roll. We still have another 70 games to play. But, yes, I do think it's possible for him to score or get the scoring title. Um, do you think that would make Durant, you know, kind of feel overshadowed, or do you think he's he's over that kind of stuff? Because he does get kind of, you know, emotional. On this team, I think he's completely bought in, and I think you could see that these past couple of years. I don't think so. He's score, still scoring like 20-some games. I, he's about to get paid. Uh, he's about to win a third straight title. I mean, if he's mad, then literally, man, come on. Like, you what you, you had to, to know that was coming. Yeah. I mean, you had to know it was coming. You're going to play with probably the best three-point shooter of all time. I, Reggie Miller's probably up there as well, Ray Allen. But, I mean, Steph just does it so fast, and he can just fill it up so quickly. Like, you had to know what was coming on. I mean, he's probably not going to be in Golden State next year, but he's going to have three straight titles. I think he's doing just fine, guys. And I have one more thing here. Okay. Uh, this is Pacers-wise. So okay. the Pacers just waived Ben Moore, who was on the roster. Uh, he was – I think they signed him in, like – August or September. Um, and I so now the roster is down to 14. So they obviously have one, room for one more. So a lot of speculation that this move, and they haven't announced it yet, but this move was to free up a space for Edmund Sumner to take him off his G League contract, two-way contract, and keep him on the active roster for the rest of the season. So if that's the play here, what do you guys think? Obviously, we got Sumner in the preseason. We got we saw the flashes there. He only played I think five minutes against the Cavs this year and a couple other uh, you know garbage time minutes. But what do you guys think about this getting Sumner on the active roster in hopes that maybe he can you know get some playing time at some point during the year, not having to worry about the forty-five day limit. I like it. I don't think it's crazy to say that I like it. I mean, Sumner's proven in the time he's had and and the games he's played in the preseason specifically that he can play at this level. So you got to find a way maybe. I wouldn't say you have to, but I mean, it'd be nice to find a way to get him some playing time, and I think he's going to help this team long term. That's the insurance policy on Tyreek Evans. I think that I mean, if Tyreek can't figure it out, or if they have any you know issues with him and they need to move on, they have now a guy that I think we're all pretty comfortable with after seeing what he did in the preseason. Obviously, we hope Tyreek just stays on the straight and narrow. Um, and that he doesn't get hurt or anything crazy like that. But we could do a lot worse than Edmund Sumner being at, you know, towards the end of our bench. I really like it. I think with, oh no, oh. no, I got one more. Go okay. ahead. And finish I, I your think I think I I think I said this at the beginning when he started like dressing early in the season and he wasn't getting any playing time. Like this doesn't make any sense. He's on a two-way contract. You can only dress for so many games. Now we know why. Because the plan the whole time was to get him a contract. Yep. Uh, Kyrie Irving. So, yeah, I said I got one more. Kyrie Irving, after the Pacers win on Saturday night, said after the game, 
everywhere we go, it's like they won the championship against us. The way the fans celebrate, the way they celebrate. Thoughts? Pissed. Um, couldn't be more pissed. Because here's the thing. This what this is what everybody says when they come to Indiana. The Indiana fans are smart. We knew it was a huge game. They cheer like that after every big game. Oladipo, big moment, clutch game. On a game-winning three. On by a game-winning three-pointer. This is just the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> Kyrie, the Earth is flat. Irving, just shut your filthy mouth. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, like, okay, so you don't want fans to get pumped when they win a big game. Number one, you should relish that as the opposing team. Like, you're going to get everybody's best shot, and they, they love beating you. Absolutely, you should relish that. Number two, you're salty because guess what? Oladipo pulled up on you. Like, I'm sorry, buddy. You can just he didn't try even to attempt. Him. He didn't to even play attempt because it's Kyrie shot. Irving who never tries to play defense. That's how the Warriors just exploited them over and over and over again. Kyrie, we got your number, man. Can't wait to see in the playoffs. We'll see how we're celebrating at the end of the season. Yeah, I don't. What do you expect us to do? Just like not go crazy in the stands? I mean, I mean like, if you win the game by 15 or whatever, you so win by seven. He's complaining that our fans are, are, are loud and crazy. And yeah. Stuff. So I mean, I guess how dare out we? To Indiana. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of any arena in the NBA if you went on a game-winning three when you're down by two that they wouldn't react the way we Maybe act. like the Nets. They probably wouldn't care. Yeah. Just, what do you expect out of LeBron's younger brother? <laughs> yeah. So that's going to wrap it up. I have nothing else unless you guys do. That is going to wrap up this episode of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. Uh, we did a little recap there of the Pacers games this week, previewing upcoming games, and also took your questions. Make sure, like we said, we got the hotline open anytime. Give it a call. Leave us a message. We'll talk about it uh, in the next week's episode. Like I said, though, we are going to be taking a week off. We do have an episode coming next week, though. It's with Scott Pollard, former Pacer center. He's going to talk about his NBA career, his time on Survivor, all that stuff. He's got a lot of interesting things to talk about. Um, But we will be back the week after that with another recap episode and preview episode, just like usual. Just taking a week off from recording, but we will still have an episode there. So thanks for tuning in, guys. We really appreciate it. And as always, as Dewan says... Stay born ready.